And now, from the Santon Time Studios in Africa's richest square mile, this is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Welcome to the second part of episode 50, our milestone podcast. Can you believe it? 50 episodes down. And if you're listening to part two right now, then it means you've missed part one somewhere. So go back in the archives and find part one, because otherwise part two is not going to make any sense. I'm so excited to be joined by Amrit from Straten. She was on our part one. Uh, and here you are for part two, Amrit. Thanks for having me. And uh, I, I want to congratulate you. Podcast. Crazy, right? Yeah. You know, I was listening to a, a talk uh, not too long ago, and they were saying that most people give up after six podcasts. People get into podcasting, and then they do six, and then that's it. They just disappear off the face of the earth, which I think is quite crazy. Hey? It's like everything else in life, right? I think I think people start something, and if they don't see quick results, they kind of give up. I yeah. Think perseverance is key, so well done. That's it, man. Yeah, I'm going to just keep going until we get to whatever, 500 podcasts, and then we'll see what happens. Exactly. I think I think 500 is like a good number <laughs> to make a decision, man. Amrit von Straten is back for this part two. And uh, gee, Amrit, so much has happened since I last saw you for part one. So I think we've still got so much to chat about. Part one was fantastic. If you missed it, go check it out. But as always, if you want to get in touch with this uh, podcast, you can email Email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with the Santon Times on at Santon Times. Uh, if it's Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, you can also go onto YouTube. This is a YouTube channel. And then the website, santantimes.co.za. And don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast. And because it's sort of the second part, like right. there's no news in this podcast really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just going to carry on from where we left off at the last one. And you know, we forgot to wish people a happy um, Freedom Day. That's great. Freedom Day this week. And then uh, the 1st of May is Workers' Day coming up. So lots of public holidays in South Africa. It's like just a write-off of a week. Right. The, the month of, of April and May, it's like... People are going to struggle to get back to like a five-day week. Absolutely. Hey? Yeah. So um, let's see. Let's see how we do. But actually, talking about the 1st of May, I actually came across the story that uh, the Glover Youth Choir is performing at Monte Cassino on the 1st of May. That's exciting. Yeah, very cool. It's on the it's on the blog or on the website, uh, santantimes.co.za. Let me just pull it up quickly because uh, it feels like we haven't had a live performance in forever. So now you're on that topic, Alex. Uh, I want to really encourage people, you know, and I've made a, made a point of it. Since I've been, you know, on the radio and I'm sure you, you can relate, you know, meeting artists and things, it's been a really tough time for them. Hectic. During COVID. Like, Terrible. You know, that's their job to perform and, that, and they, couldn't, they couldn't do their job. I mean, a lot of people have been working from home, but they didn't have that luxury. Yeah. Right? So now they they you know I have got I've got a lot of friends in the industry and they and they're starting even overseas in America wherever it is that they're starting to perform again so please if you can go out there to just experience you know something out of your home first of all yeah that's and, always that's always and great support them like go out there support them they they're getting back into things and for them it's a big thing so so let's be supportive yeah man now you've got to go out and support the artists because. Uh, like you said, they're not working. We interviewed Super Hot Sticks Mabuza, I think it was last week or right. the week before on the podcast. And I mean, he was such a nice guy. And I think he was also just so thrilled to get back on. Mm-hmm. Dr. Victor's been doing quite a few performances in Santon. So if you can catch him, I know he was at Hotel Sky. He's doing something at a Dega. But his band seems to be getting back into it, performing at restaurants and hotels because that's just where we can perform right now. Exactly. In Glover Youth Choir, like I just mentioned, they're doing a show called African Pulse, which is at the Monte Cassino Teatro. And just having a quick look here on the website, you can book your tickets at showtime.co.za. And it's 250 rand a person, which is not too bad. Yeah. And they can only take 250 people. So that, I think that teatro can do 1,500 odd people. But because of COVID... But because of COVID, they have to sort of leave out every odd row or exactly. I'm not quite sure how they do it. And they've got two performances and a lot of this uh, is sort of fundraising as well for a lot of these people who are behind the scenes who haven't been working. Imagine exactly. the cleaners, the makeup artists, the Production. lighting guys, the technicians. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've all not been doing anything. Let, let, let's go down, down this route. So, and that's why I'm so big and keen on supporting these people because – you know, some of us have, maybe our, our jobs have changed, whatever has happened, but these people had to find something completely out of their comfort zone 
to kind of generate money. You know, I've got so many examples. I've got a singer from Ships. She's absolutely phenomenal. And you know what she did? She went to work at a bakery. Right. So what, so, is, she, what is she making? Like bread I, and donuts? and. I, I'm not sure. Right. But, but just, you know, and, and I think that's a great attitude to have. Like you, you were a singer, you've done what you loved, and then there was no way to do it. And they just said, well, what else can I do? And, and, you know, completely moving out of your comfort zone just to find some form of income. So that's why now I'm all for supporting, you know, talent, whether it's comedian shows or singers or bands, whatever it is, support them because, you know, they've, they've... Every little bit counts, eh? I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, 100%. And I think for a lot of these people as well, it's also the... The feeling of being on stage, having a live audience. So yeah, of course, the money pays the bills at the end of the time, right. uh, at the end of the month. But at least they've got something that they can do, and it's kind of like their job. It's almost like mm. I don't know if you were an accountant, but you had to go to work every day, and you couldn't see a spreadsheet. Uh, exactly. You know, you 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 just be sitting there looking at I don't know solitaire or whatever it is that they've got on computers these days. But yeah, it's sort of like a, a, an integral part of 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 your life is what you do. And if you don't have that thing that you can do every month or every week. Uh, then what you know you kind of feel like a bit of a half a human, hey? Hundred percent. Now I'm right for those people who didn't listen to the first part yet, which they still need to do. They need to go back to part one of this episode fifty. Uh, you have a sort of a, a business focused show on uh, Radio South Africa or Radio South Africa, and I, I got to tell you the story. So. Uh, I've been busy trying to get the business bank account sorted out because uh, there were some name changes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you know that you cannot get a sole proprietor? bank account converted into a PTY limited at F&B. No. I couldn't believe this. The guy sends me this list. He says, you can pretty much do anything. You can turn it from one to the other proprietorship. You can op- you can change it to a trust. You can add people. You can divide people. You can uh, do put people to the power of five to this account. I mean, you can do all kinds of amazing things, you know, right. uh, but you cannot change it to a PTY limited. I said to the guy, this is crazy. So now this is what you have to do. You have to go open another bank account and then run basically two bank accounts in parallel because obviously now you've got debit orders going off the one that you had in place and you've got uh, money coming in, money going out and then you almost have to sort of like add additional funds to another bank account to make sure that that bank account's got something happening there. I thought this is ridiculous. I said to the guy, how is it possible that as a business bank or as an aspirational business bank – yes you cannot change from a sole proprietorship into a PTY limited. I mean, surely isn't that like the natural progression that people start off as sort of entrepreneurs and they kind of try something out and they find something that works and they go, cool, let me now register this as a proper business, et cetera, move up the ranks. I said, Tim, what happens if the company lists? Do we have to open another bank account? Like, you know, this is, seems, it seems so bizarre. Nobody could give me an answer. That's what I just wanted to say to you. I, I'm, I'm, you know, if, if, if there's things I don't agree with, it's fine, but then you have to provide to me the why. You know exactly. what I mean? So, so they couldn't provide to you why. No, and the guy was saying to me, no, like up until like a year ago, it was still possible because I know this is possible because I've been in that situation before where, you know, uh, the, the business interests have changed or the weighting of a business right. has changed. And he said, look, it's now doing more of one thing than another. So it makes sense to have the business trade in either a very neutral name or, or whatever, like however you've registered the business or structured it. And it was doable. And suddenly like a year later, I don't know if there was like some someone in compliance who had like a bit of a, bad experience with PTY Limiteds and he's like, no, that's it. <laughs> We're changing all the <laughs> Not rules. Not doing this anymore. <laughs> that's it, done. You can do whatever else you want but you cannot do a PTY Limited. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's it sort of like a meatloaf song. No science. You can do anything for love but you won't do that. Yes. Yeah, strange. So anyway, so I thought, you know, Bizarre. if you ever get anyone on to talk about business and business bank accounts. <laughs> and and funny enough, that's going to be one of my shows in the upcoming week. Okay, well. Banking and there's procedures. A hot and stuff. tip. Yes, I'm going to definitely, I want to know why, I'll ask why. So, um, Alex, a question for you. I asked you um, just before we, we started the show, but I just want to know, so your top business book, your recommendation for, for a really good business book and why? Why that book? A good business book? Mm. Okay, let me tell you. One, one, the one book that I always go to right. is Richard Branson's Losing My Virginity. Okay. And it's sort of his early life story. It's a thick book. I'd be lying if I told you how many pages, but I reckon it's about 300 pages. Wow, okay. It's a prop. But let me tell you, I read that book in matric mm-hmm. from beginning to end in like a few days. Like I was reading it in between classes. I was reading it before school, after school. I was, I, I could not put this book down. And it was the most fantastic read 
probably to this day, that just the way it's written, the way the stories are told, and it just tells Richard Branson's life and how he, once again, it's very difficult to to replicate, but how he set up Virgin, how he got into all these different Virgin businesses, his sort of outlook, his sort of spirit in terms of how he did things. So it's just a really great book that really gave me a lot of uh, motivation mm-hmm. coming out of school to say, yeah, man, look, you know, like this is possible and it's such a great brand. And yeah, so Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson, totally up there, black, big time. Right. Really, really enjoy that book. Well, I have yeah. to admit I haven't read it, but now yeah, you've, you should. you've sold it to me, so I'm definitely going to get on that. And it's probably, I think they've brought out many updated versions of that book as well. Like there's been okay. uh, a couple of versions of it uh, where they've added additional stories now. Oh, interesting. Because his life has obviously moved on. So there's right. more things to add. I think there's probably quite a few things now with Virgin Galactic, yes. the Hyperloop. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to still tell as many stories. Line. The cruise line, yeah, we spoke mm-hmm. about that in part one yes. of episode fifty. It was a lot of cruise conversation in the yes. in the first part. Yes. So um, yeah, we'll stay so away for that from that for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll say yeah, yeah, and if you missed it, you missed it. Now you yes. have to go back and listen exactly. to it now. So, uh, but listen, coming up uh, right now, I think we've got our first interview lined up. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, another very successful businesswoman, and uh, yeah, let me not give away too much. Let's get straight to it. Sounds good. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Podcast. Well, in the world of drinks, there's always something new coming onto the market. And uh, of late, there's a new uh, ready-to-drink beverage and... uh, you know, it's one of those few ladies I don't really need to introduce, uh, which doesn't even need to get, have a surname. Uh, we all know her as Boiti, Boitomelo. She's brought out a new ready-to-drink beverage. It's called BT Signature, and it's always such a pleasure bumping into her. She's such a, a bubbly personality. She's just such a lively person, and uh, I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast. Boiti, good to have you with us. Tell us a little bit more about your new drink. Hey, Alex. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. It's so cool. First time, actually, I think. Indeed. Um, um, yeah, so I, I'm, we started creating BT Signature in 2019 when I was introduced to, you know, the world-class winemaker, Matthew Kroner, and we kind of discussed the idea of developing a ready-to-drink product. Um, I had always felt like it was a gap, you know, there was a gap in the market for a refined, natural-tasting sparkling frizzante, and I also wanted to be kind of like the first celeb to a certain extent to bring out a non-alcoholic variant because I felt like that was also a part that was not tapped into. Yeah, so I, Matthew had the perfect skills to create something that we both envisioned, and it's, I feel like it's just been a, a fantastic match. Well, Boise, you've touched on it now, and it's quite interesting that you said that you started this in 2019, because it was only really in 2020 that suddenly the non-alcoholic version of any kind of alcohol became like a necessity rather than just a demand. So you must have already seen something in the market that there was a demand for non-alcoholic, but it wasn't really as prevalent as it became in 2020. Yeah, it was was almost like we saw it coming because we we always laugh about it. Like little did we know that actually this was a good move because I remember at a time we were also talking to a friend of ours who kind of was mediating the relationship between myself and and Matthew and you know he was also like I can't find anything really good that is non-alcoholic and Matthew and I both looked at each other and we were like really there's you want that and then we were like actually there is a market that that really you know um yearns to that side wants to enjoy their time and look cool quote unquote without having to drink any alcohol so we were like you know what let's actually prepare and and make sure that we have both um options so that we include everyone so it's more inclusive when we you know put the drink out but then when when um lockdown hit and you know there were alcohol bans we were like oh my god we did this like it was like there was some power that told us so it's i'm actually really glad we went for it well listen well done and uh, i'm glad you put your chips on the right color and you you hopefully getting the results out of it as well tell me a lot of your peers are going into vodkas they're going into champagnes mm-hmm. they're going into all kinds of other sort of mainstream spirits what was the reason for going into uh, something like a, a ready to drink beverage yeah well i definitely also knew that you know everyone would either if i were to you know move into the alcoholic space or the beverage space I think the expected route would be a gin or an MCC or etc. And, you know, immediately when, when Matthew and I started talking about it, we were like, we have actually, we haven't, there's, there's a gap, like I said, of, of ready to drinks that we've all tasted and experienced. And we were like, we want to create something that's fantastic, that's never been seen before, unexpected. And, you know, an RTD was uh, an easy 
an easy go-to. And also it's been on my bucket list for a long time. You know, it, it wasn't a typical, like the route that everyone would expect. And RTD is such a, an easily accessible, it's sociable, it's, you know, it's, it's for any occasion kind of drink. So I wanted to create that as opposed to kind of bought once in a while, etc. Now, you, you mentioned uh, sort of the, 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 the byline to BT Signature, fr- frizzante meaning uh, lightly sparkling, but, but what is the lightly sparkling? Is it a cider? Is it an ale? Just explain to us what the product, what, what goes into it. Yeah, so it's, it's not a cider. Um, how it's created, it's, it's, um, it's the, well, actually the thing that makes it a premium drink, um, Matthew used the winemaking process to create the frizzante. So the base of it, it's kind of grape and it's got some nectarine, etc. A cider would mean that it's made with apple cider. So that's kind of like the difference between uh, frizzante and um, um, an apple cider or a cider per se. Um, so yeah, the, the process in which we, we created the, the sparkling frizzante is what allows us to call it a frizzante. It's basically a sparkling fruit beverage um, or an, an alcoholic sparkling fruit beverage. That's basically what it is. Well, you've mentioned Matthew quite a bit as well, but you've got a quite an impressive team around you, uh, helping you get this off the ground uh-huh. and and into market. Uh, the, I think the former managing director of Apple Ties is involved. You've got a, a strong PR element yeah. to it as well. H- how did this team come together? I mean, it's not like the kind of people you just sort of bump into all the time. No, <laughs> um, so I think to a certain extent, the the whole project was purely just between myself and Matt. We, you know, we spoke about it in length. And then as the time came, we, we started looking at all the options like, okay, how do we get this off the ground? What do we do? Which, you know, which, which of the people through our networks do we kind of utilize? And because, um, you know, Matthew definitely comes from the, the, the beverage and the alcoholic space. And he, you know, he knows people that side, you know, he, we set up a meeting with Francois and, you know, he loved the idea and he was just like, this is fantastic. He thinks it's going to work. And he was like, I'm in. And then obviously me having worked with um, Jackie and the Eclipse team uh, prior, like with Halo Heritage and my perfume stuff, etc. them too, I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to them so that they can kind of join the team. And then we have like a, an all rounded kind of, kind of um, company, you know, so we don't have to really outsource a lot of things or a lot of people. Um, so yeah, the, it, it was a, a very organic process. And also we worked with people who are like-minded, people who have the right kind of energy, people who are as passionate about the project. Yeah, and, and, and just good energy in general. So I think that's how we kind of came about with figuring out how to build BTMK beverages. We're talking about company and parties. Uh, you had a, a bespoke and uh, boutique launch of the uh, BT Signature in Santon. Uh, any particular reason why you decided to do Santon and, and maybe not somewhere else? So I, I'm a big fan of Ethel Place. Um, I, I love the space, firstly. I love how, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful boutique hotel. The space is beautiful. And cent- um, Santon is, is quite central with regards to, you know, the, everyone that we were inviting. So we just felt like it's such an easy-to-find place. But it wasn't necessarily because it's Santon. It's because I love Ethel Place so much. Um, it's very niche. It's very pretty. We weren't inviting a lot of people, obviously, for COVID protocol. And, yeah, the space is just amazing. I've always loved it. I always go there to either stay over as a staycation or just, you know, have drinks there. So I, I felt like I wanted to utilize the space. And, yeah, that was the reason. Well, it looked absolutely gorgeous, and uh, and I think it achieved what it needed to achieve in terms of getting the the brand out there. Uh, what what's the plan now? Where can I get the the BT signature drink? Uh, where are you hoping to to take it to next? So at the moment, we obviously have a, an exclusive kind of a six month partnership with Shoprite, and um, you can find it at every nationwide at every Shoprite liquor sh- liquor stores. And then from there, obviously, we we're planning to have it in as many spaces and places as possible you know we're already in conversations with um certain restaurants bars um clubs you know it's a it's a it's an rtd so you you you, you should expect to find it pretty much everywhere so that is the plan that's the rollout plan that it's, it's found in as many spaces as possible and yeah man it's i mean it's only been what i feel like it's only been 10 days but it's already starting to feel like it's been years now that we've been doing this because the, the response has been so incredible and, you know, the demand has been phenomenal. We've already, you know, gotten a second order from ShopRite, which is insane because it's only, it hasn't even been a month. So it's obviously really exciting. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it evolve and grow and seeing it in more hands. 
Well, listen, congratulations on that. And I think it's even more exciting for you because, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably your first venture where you're also a major shareholder in the actual business. So this isn't just sort of a brand deal where you've kind of lent your name or, you know, you kind of just put your name on a bottle and they pay you a flat fee. This is really, uh, you've got skin in the game in this particular business. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely my pride and joy. Um, and I'm, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's something I, I want to use to as much as possible to just inspire and empower um, and, and, and shift black women to move into, you know, that kind of space where, you know, they truly do own, you know, the, the things that they put their names on, etc. And not just let it be big companies taking advantage and giving them, you know, the, the least, you know, for everything else that, um, you know, people give. So, I don't know, I'm really excited and I, I can't wait to see it grow, especially because, you know, there's a, obviously there's a passion shift when the, it's, your, it's truly your baby, you know. Um, so, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm also learning a lot, like I'm having board meetings and I'm, I'm starting to feel like a very mature person. <laughs> so, it's really exciting and um, yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah, I guess some of these things are a little bit more fun than others, but uh, I suppose a a necessary evil if you get into the space. But you mentioned you've also had your names on quite a few things. I mean, you've done perfumes. There's been quite a bit in the sort of skincare and glamour space. Is there anything else that you've always Mm -hmm. wanted to put your name on? Is there still something in the pipeline that you thought, you know what, I need to get that done before I turn, you know, 50 or 60 or, or, you know, hit to old age? Um, Well, I mean, fortunately for me, I don't necessarily have that mindset of, putting an age to a goal because I feel like that's like too much pressure on a person. But I, I, I'm looking at entering into the tech space. That's uh, an, uh, like a not so far away goal, near future kind of goal. Um, I want to see how I do it, but I've already obviously been, everything that I do is it's almost like it's, 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 everything takes so many years to kind of take off. But when it does, like, when people see it, it, people always assume, like, it was done over a day, you know? So the, the, the getting into the tech space thing is something I've been working on since, like, 2017, and I'm hoping to finally get it off the ground this year, you know, with everything else that's happening. Um, yeah, and from there, I'll see where else we move into, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of, you know, I feel like I'm kind of at my prime, and I'm, I'm just u- utilizing the space that I've been blessed with and um, making sure that I, I tap into as many passions of mine as possible. Well, on top of everything else that you're doing, are you still uh, performing quite a bit or, or at least uh, looking to bring out some more tracks? Yeah, um, the yeah, the rapping is, is fantastic. It's, it's growing as, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I, I've only just released an EP and I've kind of already got like three plaques under my name. That's phenomenal. It's I, I don't even know how, but I'm, I'm really grateful. And I just released um, the latest music video from my, you know, my, my latest EP, which is exciting as well. So it's, it's growing and I am doing a lot of performances. I was able to take a break last weekend, thank goodness. Yeah, it's been going and growing and, you know, with everything kind of slowly opening up again. I mean, it opens and it closes again. It opens, um, but I'm grateful that I've, I've been, you know, um, I've been able to, to still um, get time and get bookings, etc., to be able to perform and, and showcase the music. Well, Boise Tulo, uh, she's a businesswoman and entertainer. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to chat to us. And uh, yeah, I hope to have you on again uh, fairly soon, uh, hopefully with some new updates and some new news. Uh, you're always welcome. It's been uh, well overdue to have you uh, chatting to us. And uh, I wish you all the best uh, with this new venture. Thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll be back soon. Yeah, I'll call you myself. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. Online. Mobile. Anywhere. This is the Santin Times Podcast. So there you have Boise, man. Boise, she's such a bubbly lady and I always love bumping into her. And, you know, she, it's, it, uh, when I see her, we chat a lot, but she's so difficult to get hold of. I mean, I think she's got something like 3 million followers on Instagram or something. I mean, it's unreal. Busy lady. Very busy and she's just such a dynamo. I mean, she's done really well. And uh, I love the fact that she's also just like really bubbly and just... She really feels like the the girl next door. Like she's like very approachable, and yeah. So I thought that was really good to have her on and chat about her uh, her drink. Uh, we were talking about all kinds of things before this interview, but uh, you know, talking about drinks and and Boiti bringing out this new drink. Is there anything specific that you've spotted in the last couple of weeks that you really like? Can recommend drink wise? Yeah, drink wise. Uh, actually, yes. Yeah. So I went to. 
Alex, just help me with the name at um, the Leonardo. What's the name of that restaurant that you love? Oh, uh, Orem. Yeah, Orem, yeah. So I went to Orem for the first time. Alex recommended it. And um, I had a really nice cocktail called the Summer the summer Delight. Oh, you went to the Octobar? The Octobar. That's great, eh? Yeah, if you haven't been to the Octobar, they do the most incredible pizzas. And really good cocktails. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the all-time favorite in Santon. So if you ever visit, make sure you visit Octobar. Yeah, so you, you had a cocktail there. I had a cocktail. You know what I like? So for me, um, I always say I'm a snob with two things, coffee and cocktails, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's no time for bad coffee, right? 100%. So so this this bar, um, they don't have, you know, your, your average margarita, your cosmopolitan. So everything is very customized. And, uh, and this was like close to a margarita because that's my favorite cocktail. And uh, how refreshing, you know, and, and when you put organic ingredients in and, you know, fresh herbs and, and good quality, it's just a delight. I, I, I highly recommend it. <sighs> yeah. Exactly. No, Mind-blowing. You know what? I must say c- cocktails are a real joy. If they're done well, hundred um, percent. You also obviously get like those those really cheap cocktails as well, where it's like you know buy one get three free, mm. and you feel that the next day. <laughs> but a really well crafted uh, well crafted cocktail is is really worth uh, you know with the experience. I think it's more the experience rather than exactly, just the taste, right? Exactly. Especially if it looks pretty and. Listen, I need to tell you about a place yes. in Cape Town. Okay. Called the Cocktail Kitchen. Okay, I haven't been there. Okay, you have to go there. So this place, they they've got a bartender from the UK. So they've got you know a very um, national, uh, how can I say, like employee base, you know, international, uh, international, thank international, you, sorry. yeah, international. And um, the cocktails are ridiculous. I've got photos of this. There's one cocktail that you know it's a, it's a unicorn cocktail, and it, it's just it, it's crazy. And and the things they mix, you know, it's like. I've, I've never experienced anything. My cocktail, I had a rocket ship and there was smoke coming out of my cocktail the whole time in a rocket ship kind of African um, made thing. It and, and the pricing, like like any other cocktail place, wasn't expensive, but the experience was amazing. It was. And they and they use South African um, based al- so alcohol. So they support locally. So okay. their whiskey, their gin is everything locally brewed. I'm telling you, one of the best experiences, if you're South African and you like cocktails and experiencing new things and you, you know, go for the experience, you have to go. It's it's by the waterfront. Just give me that name again. The Cocktail Kitchen. Cocktail Kitchen. You know, I had a great hot cocktail in Cape Town as well. It was mm-hmm. at the Orphanage. I don't know if you've ever been to the Orphanage. No. And the Orphanage is actually used to be an orphanage. and no. But very, very, very long time ago. I mean, this is going back like 100 years or something. And they converted it into um, a cocktail bar. They've also won international awards. Uh, I think they were on the Diageo uh, world-class, uh, they have a world-class pop plaque on their wall. Mm. And also just really obscure, different, creative cocktails, oh, like okay. the way it's presented and the way it's done. I mean, there's one cocktail called More Tea Vicar. And I think that's the one that won them some sort of recognition. But it, it's called More Tea Vicar. It's a cocktail that's served. It's almost like a, I think it's like a whiskey sours from what I remember. Right, okay. But it's served in a tea in a teacup with a saucer. And then you get like a, a teaspoon with like a, a piece of jelly on it. And you kind of eat that first and then you drink the tea. But it's a whole sort of ritual with the mint and whatever. And uh, let me tell you what a great experience that was. Um, uh, so that's a really great one as well. And then close to home Pretoria, mm. there's a place called the Summit Club. The Summit um, it's sort of like a day club. They do like, I think they do like quite a bit of sushi and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And they nice. used to have, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to have sort of like a, a cocktail special on a Saturday. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had those Amarina cherries. Those kind of, they come in that white glass with the blue um, on it. There's Italian cherries with the syrup. A good friend of mine once, once gave me some to and, taste. And it was pretty good, right? Really, really good. So what these guys do is they take that jar with the cherries and they take the cherries and they turn it into a cocktail. So you get the cocktail in that jar and then for every one you buy, you get another one free. It was ridiculous. Like, what a great afternoon. So if you're big into cocktails, that was great. Summer Club in Pretoria. The address, uh, I will let you know. And yeah, I'm trying to think. Santon cocktails. I mean, the News Cafe used to do quite a few cocktails, but they're closed. Yeah, they're the gone. News Cafe. I must say, News Cafe is, is they do they do good cocktails. Um, but uh, you know what I want to say about that? Mm. For me, cocktails and 
it's like it's art, you know. Um, and I and I find when you find really good um, bartenders, they, you know, I love when they go right. So, what is your taste? What do you normally like? Yeah, you know, and then they just create something with what you said. For me, like that is that's talent because it it really takes talent to know what to mix, what goes well with something. Um, because I'm sure you, you know, all of us has been at home and been like, I, c- I can mix cocktails. I mean, how hard can it be? And you mix a couple of things and it just doesn't come out right. <laughs> no, you know, and uh, you used to work on ships. Yes. I mean, what's the cocktail situation there like? Because I haven't been on an international cruise, I must be honest. It looks amazing. It always looks like the kind of place that you would want to stand at the bar the whole day and order cocktails. Uh, kind of give me your, the lowdown on cruise cocktails. Okay, so it's amazing. Depending on which, so there's a lot of different bars. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll, I'll sell this one to you. So on Celebrity, I must say they're the best. So there's a martini bar. Now, Alex, this place is ridiculous. So they basically have almost 300 different martinis. It's only martinis. Wow. Right? So any flavor, any combination. So they've got like seven different chocolate type martinis, right? Even a mint chocolate, dark chocolate. You know, name it, lychee. They've got you have one. to be really into martinis. Not re- I was never a martini person. So yeah. I went there and I was like, okay. Um, every single one you taste, it is, and you should see that uh, they do it in, in the dance and it's 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 an absolute experience. And they've got even one. I said, oh, normally when I went there first, I said, normally I like a margarita, but I'm not really a martini lady. They were like, oh no, we've got something that's similar. And they gave me a martini. I'm telling you, it was better than a margarita. Wow. That that was that was the best bar on a ship I've ever been. Very interesting. Even if you're not into martinis, trust me, you'll love it. This was worth it. You know, I only saw a video of, uh, is it Symphony of the Seas? Mm. The, I think it's the biggest, the biggest uh, one of the biggest cruise liners at the moment. Correct. And they had a, um, trying to think, there's a specific Italian company that manufactures this robot, but it yes. makes all the cocktails. Mm-hmm. By robot. So you get an iPad. Friends of ours actually went on this cruise. Yes. You press a button, you choose your cocktail, and then this robot basically mixes the whole thing together for you. There's no humans involved. It serves it up to you, or you can, I think, select what you like. Right. And it makes up its own cocktail based off, I don't know, some Google algorithm that it pulls out of nowhere and makes up a cocktail for you based on what you like. I mean, it's that's really crazy. That is. That just literally eliminates a whole bunch of people on the ship. I'll tell you something. That's cool. But I prefer the guy human, behind the bar yeah. to say to him, "This is my style. This is what I like." So it's very personalized. That's that's just me. Yeah, you know. So. Well, you know, talking about tech and uh, real life, uh, our next interview that's lined up, uh, we're going to chat to her shortly. Uh, talking about theatre, about uh, we just spoke about the Glover Youth Choir getting back onto stage at yes. the uh, at the Teatro, but that's probably one of. Almost no other performances happening there at the moment. I know all the other theatres around Johannesburg, it's very, very dire. So I'm quite keen to catch up with her and just get a sense of, you know, she just wrote a really good piece in the Daily Maverick about, um, you know, what's happening with theatre, especially mm. uh, Sans- uh, Santon Theatre on the Square, which has been also here for like 25 years. Mm. And they've been closed. And I mean, we know that theatres at the best of times have really struggled to stay open because it's not like they're making, you know, millions and millions out of 100%. a few theatre tickets. But now that they've been not operating, never mind the actors, you know, and a lot of people say, look, you know, being in a seat and watching a live person do something is a hell of a lot more exciting than sitting in front of a you know, piece of technology and having to kind of go through the same experience. So let's get her on the line. Let's have a chat to her. Sounds good. From Santin to the world, this is the Santin Times Podcast. One of those activities that I'm really missing at the moment is going to the theatre. I don't know when's the last time you remember going to the theatre, what you were watching when you did go to the theatre, but I was watching something on television the other day. I think it was a movie or a series, and the, the characters in this movie went to the theatre. I think they went to go to the ballet. And I went, oh my goodness, do you remember what that was like? You know, you buy your theatre ticket, you're outside, you have a maybe a pre-theatre drink, or you go for dinner, and then you go uh, to the theatre. And just to have that live interaction with actors, to watch some of the incredible performances that we've had in South Africa, if it's a musical, if it's a a piece of theatrical performance. I mean, it's just nothing like it. 
I just thought it's worth chatting about this uh, because they have been probably one of the most effective uh, businesses or industries in South Africa during this lockdown. And joining me for the podcast uh, to discuss this is uh, Leslie Stones. She's a freelance travel and lifestyle journalist. She did a piece in the Daily Maverick uh, talking about theatre, um, a theatre close to our heart, but we're going to talk about theatre in general to start off with. Leslie, great to have you on this podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Let's just talk about theatre. How, how are things looking uh, in the theatre world at the moment, uh, a year and a bit uh, into lockdown? It's bleak. It's almost like the government has forgotten that we're still in lockdown. A lot of other people are back at work, carrying on as normal. Cinemas are open. Theatres are still dark because they, they just haven't been able to open with 50% capacity because the, the, the cost of running a theatre is already enormous and you take away half the audience and it's just not viable. And people are sort of thinking, well, should I go back to the theatre, should I not? So I guess even they couldn't probably uh, guarantee that there's going to be an audience if, if they open the theatre until people are more confident, maybe that vaccinations are around or that all the safety measures are in place. I know the theatres are dying to open, the artists are dying to get back on stage. But we can't do it until the government says, OK, yeah, it's kind of safe to go to the theatre, even though, it, uh, in my opinion, it is safe to go to the theatre. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because the theatre has been a difficult business model at the best of times. I mean, a lot of people I think who are in the theatre space are not necessarily there because they're looking to, to make millions. Uh, I think at some point it's also uh, partly uh, passion. It's uh, an incredible platform. I think that is just, if you've been to the theatre, you know exactly what it's like. It's just there's some spe- special energy that goes through that room when you get to see a live performance and, and one performance is never the same as the other because, you know, the audiences are different, the actors are, you know, in a different space for each performance so it's got that little special touch and now to go through this kind of situation where you're literally sort of turning off the tap is is really just heartbreaking um you were saying that you think it's it, it's potentially a safe space to to open up and and have performances why do you say that well if we can go back to work if we can go back to the cinema if we all sit there with masks if we do the uh, the social distancing if necessary uh, and maybe it's a quite a contentious thing, but the, the COVID numbers have definitely declined. I just don't think it's a, a tremendously infectious situation anymore. Maybe maybe that's wrong of me. Um, but it's it seems like everybody else is going back to work. Taxes are running. Everything else is running. What's the difference? Mm. Now, I mean, Johannesburg has been very uh, blessed with a lot of theatre. I think uh, probably the highest concentration of theatres in South Africa. I don't think Durban and Cape Town have as many as we do. Uh, I mean, let's let's run through some of them. I mean, I, I, as we kick off, just coming to mind now, I know Monte Cassino's complex has got uh, a real variety of different theatre options. What, what are things looking like there? Up at Monte, you've got three stages. You've got the massive teatro. I'm actually not sure how many that can hold. Uh, a lot. That's I think it's about 1,500. Very likely, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they uh, I was chatting with uh, the owner, Brian Hill, the, so the manager, Brian Hill, yesterday, and he was saying that they can't afford to function. I mean, when you put something on at the teatro, it's a big production. And if, you, if you're only playing to a half audience, you can't do it economically. So there's no plans yet to reopen the teatro. Over at the Peter Turin Theatre, well, there's two. There's the little studio stage upstairs, and then there's the 400-seater uh, Peter Turin Theatre. They've both been privately funded for 20-odd years. No government support whatsoever. And they same again, they can't afford to open. They keep planning to open, but then the lockdown regulations change. When they do open, they're going to come in with smaller shows, so they're more economical. You know, no lavish sets and 20 actors to pay. You know, maybe just a couple of people on stage, uh, minimal props. But even so, there's still no date for that. Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, also just a great little theatre that there's the studio on top and then there's the bigger theatre and they've also had some fantastic performances there. The market theatre is, is potentially looking to do some things? Well, the market theatre is not, it's not back in business. Um, there's a show, there's been a, a two or three shows so far. They've got another show opening next week, which I'll be going to see. Again, they're small productions now. They're sort of minimal staging, minimal number of actors. But you can go to the theatre, if you go to the market 
theatre, which has some government funds to support it, unlike all the private theatres that are really struggling. But the, like you were saying, the, the theatre is so magical that that you just get caught up in the show and it's just, it's, it takes you out of your space and it's different and it's, it's wonderful. And we need that. We, we really need to be getting, getting that dose of good feeling at the moment. And, you know, it's, it would be so sad if theatres closed permanently because maybe because the government's forgotten to say, okay, you can, you can go back to the theatre. Or maybe even better, the government says, here's some money to help you go back to the theatre, to help the theatre stay alive. It's, it's been a, a struggle for years. Like Daphne at the Santon Theatre, you know, she's, she's raised sponsorship for that theatre brilliantly over the years, but you know, everybody's constrained for cash at the moment. And there's, there is government money available, but it's just not going to the, to the people that need it. Yeah, funny that. Uh, for an arts and culture ministry, you'd think that it would be going towards arts and culture, but uh, we're not even going to get into that. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned Daphne. I mean, she's just across the road here in uh, Nelson Mandela Square. She had a, a, a very long-running sponsorship with, with Auto and General. I think it was called Auto and General Theatre on the Square. And uh, I'm happy to say that uh, I'd been going there since uh, very young. I think she even had uh, Saturday mornings. There used to be sort of a, a youth or, or young person's sort of theatre that you could be part of and you'd get involved in productions. And, and get to know how to run a theatre and, and just, you know, really get into it. And it was a fantastic, fantastic thing to send your kids to. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she'd been quite um, savvy in terms of getting a sponsor on board, uh, but even now that's a bit uh, on, the, on, the, on the wonky side. And uh, she's also now starting to look at raising uh, additional funds for the theatre. That's true, yeah. The article I was writing about for the Maverick was an, an appeal, basically. It's just, she's had to now go out with a public fundraising appeal. Corporate sponsors have been forthcoming in the past, but now I guess money's tight for everybody. And, and it's, I guess it must be hard to sponsor a theatre that isn't actually working anymore because nobody's going to the theatre. So there's that sort of double, you know, the vicious circle of we haven't got a functioning theatre at the moment, but will you sponsor it? And then we can function again if the government allows us to. So it must be, you know, it's it's sort of begging for money when there is no money available and when there's not much of a product at the moment. So it's 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 a real battle. But it needs everybody to have the faith that the theatre will come back and then to say, well, I'm gonna pay in advance, ready for when the show when the show's open again. So yes, yeah, so Daphne's looking for a corporate sponsorship as well as people who just love going to the theatre. Maybe pay now a, a 500 round sort of investment in the theatre for individual membership. And then in, in the long term, that will get you discounts on the seats and invites to special events again. And it will give Daphne the money to get the place up and running again now and, and to start planning some shows. And she was putting a lot of money into opening shows up that hadn't been tried and tested before. She wasn't just bringing in you know, the popular stuff that's guaranteed. She was giving young playwrights and young actors a chance to go, well, you know, this is our craft and we need somewhere to stage it. And I would hate to see us lose that. Absolutely. I mean, I think it would be terrible to have to see theatre disappear. And, you know, as I was watching a lot of this happening and, and theatre not reopening and not being able to go, it, it reminded me of a highly successful format that was used in Germany just after World War II, where um, a family that had been in the theatre business for, I think, for about six generations reopened a theatre and it was obviously very popular after the war. It was something that people had looked forward to, to going out again and just kind of having a little bit of a, a normal life after some very difficult years. And uh, I think it was in the 60s or 70s, the public broadcaster decided to start broadcasting these plays. So it used to be a, a live uh, performance on a Friday night, which was also broadcast on television. So you'd have a live audience, but you'd also have an even bigger audience, which ended up going into the millions of people watching this live theatre performance every Friday night. And it almost became almost like family viewing, where every Friday night, the family would get together and they would watch a live theatre performance on television massively successful. I mean, it ran for, I think, 20 or 30 years. And I thought, gee, you know, this could actually be, you know, a great solution for many theatres to say, look, you know, we can't have a big audience in the room, but we could have a bigger audience outside of the room, be it streaming or be it television, and, you know, kind of almost create like a hybrid model for theatre. But the question is, you know, are they able to, to kind of put that together? And is there an appetite for it? I know that the Cape Town Theatre, I think it was the Baxter, they, they screened um, a, a production that they 
filmed before the before the lockdown. So they they were trying to keep the interest going by doing that. I think the equipment to to film a production would be prohibitively expensive, though. Because I've seen the national the National Theatre in England does it beautifully well. They they actually release the films and they come and you can go and watch them at Sturkini Court. So you can go to the movies to watch a live staged performance, which is fabulous. But I think the the kit involved would also be you know that would be adding another expense on top of already running it. But yeah, I just I just want to appeal to people to actually you know not watch on the, on the screen and be satisfied with that. Get your bum to the theatre because it's just such a it's such a different magical experience and and the camaraderie I, I saw pop art was doing some um live stream improv improv comedy at the beginning of the lockdown but there's not that you know you 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 feed off the person next to you or, or one seat away maybe in covid times and they laugh and then you laugh and then and there's this camaraderie that develops among the audience that feeds back to the actors and changes their performance and it just it's a it's a hole that you don't get through the screen. Yes, if you could if you could sell tickets to an online performance that's going on stage and that's going to be successfully staged, that would be excellent. But I don't know whether we've got the audience for that here. Well, I mean, on the actor side, I mean, the one thing is is saving the theatres. On the other hand, is also saving the the theatrical actors because not all stage or theatre actors are necessarily television and movie stars. So they've probably also been out of work for a very long time. And also one of the very um, successful and just absolutely fantastic experiences I've had is is uh, going to a sort of a murder mystery dinner um, at, at Foxwood House uh, in Houghton, where they kind of uh, put on a play in a restaurant or dining experience and they kind of have the first part starters, second part mains and then after dessert you found out who did it. And it was two actors they put this whole thing together, it was very immersive, it was a fantastic story, it was just a really great evening and we're seeing comedians kind of going this route where they've also realised they can't get a live audience into a room so they're going to restaurants, they're going to open venues where they can kind of bring together sort of a reasonable amount of people and perform maybe not at the the level that they were before but at least there's some sort of activity and and maybe this is potentially the way for for actors, uh, stage actors to go to find a sort of an outdoor venue or something that could potentially house some people and, and kind of get a a very sort of abridged play going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a creative industry and people are certainly trying to be creative. But can you imagine that? I mean, I'm working now, sort of, you're working now. If you're a musician or an actor or a director, you're not working and you haven't been working for a long time. And now you're seeing these theatres staying dark and you know, what do you do? There's, you, you have to reinvent yourself. But like we were saying, the, the on-screen atmosphere isn't there you're a live performer because you love performing live and and that's just that's just being entirely crushed and i suppose there's only so many murder mystery evenings you can stage we've also got a very apathetic audience though people people you know it's a cold evening people have planned to go to the theater and then they go oh no i won't go we, we i don't know how you tackle that but just how do, you, how do you imbue a whole new generation of people with a love for the theatre? That's That would be a great thing. I, I, I don't think schools are doing enough to say, kids, let's go to the theatre, let's get spellbound. Maybe maybe we could get more, maybe actors need to go to the schools and make the kids sit there and watch them and then and realise how fabulous it is, what a different world you can escape into. I don't know, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a creative industry, we need to get creative, but... But having all these amazing theatres dark is just, it's just wrong. And I think the funny thing in all of this is, is that there's so many people who've been sitting on Zoom and Skype calls going, I should have taken drama at school because I'm really not comfortable with performing yeah. with lights and a camera on me. But <laughs> that's uh, maybe a takeaway there. Maybe go send your kids to drama right now because they're going to need it oh, going forward. <laughs> But uh, check out Leslie's uh, article on the Daily Maverick. And uh, once again, it focuses very much on the uh, Santon Theatre, uh, Theatre on the Square. And uh, yeah, d- have a look at uh, Daphne Kuhn's appeal. If you can put some money towards it, if you are somebody in the philanthropic space, or if you're just sort of somebody who says, listen, you know, I love going to the theatre. I'd love to see these things survive long after all of this is over so we can go back and sit in those velvet chairs and enjoy uh, a good comedy or drama or whatever performance it is that you enjoy, uh, make that contribution. Uh, I think all the details are in your article, uh, Leslie, and I'm sure also if people contact the theatre, there'll possibly be some some ways that they can sort of make a, a donation or a contribution. 
Yes, there are. It, I mean, it's not hard to give. You've just got to motivate yourself and do it, I suppose, and and and, and believe that there is still a future. Well, Leslie, uh, it's been fantastic having you on. She's a, a freelance uh, travel and leisure journalist. Uh, I, I hope we get to chat again soon. And thank you so much for uh, jumping onto this podcast. A pleasure. I hope I see you at the theatre soon, hey? You are very right. That is the place I would love to go to <laughs> sooner rather than later. This is the Santin Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. Yeah, you know, it's so great to always chat to somebody who's equally as excited about the theatre as I am. I, I, I really enjoy the theatre. Uh, I had a bit of a theatre career at one point. I can't really call it a career, but like after school, during matric, did a couple of the, you know, Gravestone Arts Festival, Hermanus Whale Festival sort nice. of vibe. Yeah, that was great. And there's something about A, being on stage and yes. performing in front of a live audience, but then also being in an audience watching someone perform live. 100%. And to think that, this hasn't been going for like 12 months is crazy. I want to I wanna quote one of my good friends, and you'll, you'll know him, Alex. Yes. The thing with that is there's a vibe, mm. you know? It's about the vibe, you know? Because, and if you've never been to a live show, do yourself a favor. It doesn't have to be big crowds, because some people tell me, listen, I don't like big crowds. Not all shows, you know, has 1,000, 2,000 people. It can be a small, intimate show, but... It's it's amazing. Even if it's a comedian, if it's a comedian, whether it's a you know, a guy singing with his with his guitar, I love anything live. You know, because you see the person in raw. Uh, there's a vibe with everybody there. Uh, you know, it's it's just an. I think it's a great um, atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's just different. Y- you know, the yeah. thing is, uh, I was actually thinking about it during this interview. I didn't actually mention it. Was uh, the last? I think the last performance I watched was at the Teatro. Or it was one of the last ones uh, with, uh, I think it's Craig Urbani, and if I'm butchering the name, I'm completely wrong, but he was the, 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 the main character in the Rocky Horror Picture Show in South Africa. And what an incredible job he did on, mm. on, on that performance. I mean, firstly, to, um, to actually rock up on stage in public, uh, you know, as a, as a you know, transvestite is one thing. Um, but he, you know, just he really. Uh, worked out. You could see he'd really put a lot of time and effort into um, getting that 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 role right. And what a mm. vibe! What a vibe there was, right? A vibe in this theatre. I mean, you know, obviously Rocky Horror Picture Show has got some wild songs. Everyone knows the tracks. I mean, I wouldn't say it necessarily is my greatest piece of theatre ever because right. it is a bit off the wall. It's a little bit out there. It's a yes. little bit like nonsensical. Extreme. But I suppose you have to be in the right frame of mind to to go there and enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. Totally. I mean, it's, it stood the test of time. And I think even the guy who who wrote it um, said he wrote it and he'd never thought it would actually go longer than um, it did. I think it, I think it went on. For, I think it was planned to be uh, two weeks back in the 60s or 70s when he wrote right. it. And it's still going. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> the most nonsensical show. I mean, it's just mm. complete fun and jokes. But... It's still going, and it's become like a cult hit. Like, I mean, it's got a following. I mean, the movie obviously put it into a whole new perspective. But so many musicals. Mm. I mean, Phantom of the Opera. Mm. There was uh, West Side Story. I mean, so many of these musicals are just so incredible to watch live. And just to think that we haven't had any of that. I mean, even even like the Barnyard. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, for what it is. I mean, one of the one of the great actors, um, Jonathan Rocksmith. He was says to me, Alex, don't don't. Uh, don't diss the barnyard. That's like the, you know, that's like uh, the the varsity or the tertiary of so many performers. You know, we all yes, started there at one true. point playing that's the drums. True. I mean, even they, I don't even know if they're still going. I, I don't know anything. either. Yes, I, that's I, quite interesting. Uh, let's have a quick look here, barnyard. So while you have yeah, a look, I think yeah. one of mine, I want to ask you now, what was your favorite live show you've ever seen in South Africa? For me, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, it was back in two... I think the year 2000 at Monte Cassino, I watched Evita. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't that whole, don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. Yes. Angelo and Weber. Okay. Let me tell you, it was, I was sitting on the edge of my seat during this whole show. I had goosebumps. Um, I mean, it was, it was a PG rated because there was even nudity in it. Really? Yes. In, in Evita? 100%. I haven't seen it live, Listen, I must be honest. So. It, it was remarkable until today. 
11 years later, still the best show I've ever seen. And the acting and the singing, it was phenomenal. And since then, I was hooked on live shows. It was just, honestly, it was moving because it has a, had a really, you know, you know, the story, the history. Um, so it was very moving, but also the, the acting and everything. I even cried. It was, it was so beautiful. It was mm. like really... You know, moving. And you know, this is the thing, you know, theatre doesn't always have to be sort of abstract and weird because a lot of people no. always think like, oh, it's going to be like someone reciting a poem or mm. it's going to be, you know, like really out there and, you know, I'm a, I'm an accountant. I don't really like, you know, watching these exactly. these things. You know, th- there's a lot of great theatre. I mean, especially like those kind of music variety shows. Uh, I mean, there's some really, really fantastical stuff that, that is very mainstream and that is very sort of everyday Kind of stuff. It's like the stuff you would probably watch on television, but it's just better because it's it's live. I actually just had a look here with the barnyard. So I see they've. I think some of the sites that I remember are not there anymore, but they still have to. They seem to have one, two, three, four, five going. So I think there's still some shows going on there. Be interesting to find out what's what's happening there. If you like the barnyard, if you like the teatro, if you like uh, the Jobic Civic Theatre. That always used to be quite quite fun to go to as well. The Pavilion and um, in, in Pretoria also hosts a lot of shows. Okay, okay. No, I don't think I've ever been there. Mm. So, yeah, let's hope that theatre comes uh, back on track uh, sooner rather than later. Because yeah, it's been it's been a long time since we've seen anything live. Although I see a lot of the comedians are making a plan to 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 do performances of some some sort. It's been one of the most restrictive times ever. Like, if you thought about it like two, three years ago, you'd, you'd go into every year going, cool, what am I going to do this year? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? It was almost like a given. Like, you didn't even think about, you never went into a year and went, hmm, I wonder if I could go somewhere this year. Yes. Or let me think about it. When I get to that date, I'll see if I can maybe go yes. somewhere. If they will allow me to. Yeah. Right? Or if there's a flight or if I'm, you know, if I can leave the country or, or it, it never occurred to anyone like it was always like people were booking like trips a year in advance two years in advance because you were like yeah cool when we get there we get there right, right. now i mean you can't even book a trip a week in advance because no. you don't even know if the restrictions are going to be in place what the um the tests have to be what what paperwork you need I, uh, it's it's almost become a little bit impossible mm-hmm. to do anything and and alex i'm a i'm a little bit of a, of a hippie at heart so for me I I really take the positive things of, of, of COVID, you know, and I think a lot of people have learned more more valuable things during this COVID, you know, especially people I've I've spoken to. I've spoken to a lot of people that have taken a lot of positive things, meaning appreciating what they have now, just what you've seen. If you can do it now, do it. Don't wait. Yeah, don't postpone. That's true. Um, so there's a lot of good things. And then a lot of people I speak, speak to are now like, you know, I, I've been wanting to go on a cruise for five years. I regret not doing it. So as soon as I can, I'm going to do it. And and this is kind of my my thing in life. So I always say, if you can do it, do it now. Don't postpone it because you'll only end up having regrets, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a valuable lesson we've learned through COVID, which I think is amazing. And also, traveling your own country. I think that's a great thing. I think, you know, traveling overseas is fantastic. I've been to many, many countries and it's great for what it is. But let me tell you, we do live in a beautiful country Absolutely. with a lot of variety. So, yes, if, if, if you can't travel abroad, take the time and get to know your country because it's a beautiful place. Yeah, make the best, man. Do a road trip. Uh, actually, I'm going to do, be doing a road trip now with um, that they've, they've, given, they've brought me the new Peugeot 2. 2008. Let me tell you what a cute car this is. Yes. It looks like a little like saber tooth tiger from the front. And Cutesy. Uh, no, it's really great. So I'm driving it for a week. I'm going to be trying it out. I'll probably be posting about it all over the Santon Times Absolutely. once I've driven it. But like some really interesting features. Like I've just literally had a little bit of a, a taste of it. Mm. But it's got a smaller steering wheel right. than the usual car. So, you know, we're so used to looking through the steering wheel at our dashboard. Correct. They've made the steering wheel smaller, so you look over over the steering wheel at your dashboard. And that's quite an adjustment originally because you're sort of sitting there and you're going, I feel like I've got nothing really in my hands because it's, it's so much smaller. But they've got a 3D display, so your, your dashboard, everything's 3D, so it like pops out. Like the numbers and the arrows are all sort of coming at you, which is quite amazing. And then they've got a really cool little... Uh, a uh, little holder in the center console for your phone. So it like flips down, you can put your phone in there and charge it and close it again if you want to, so it's not flying about. Love and they've that. got mood lighting in the car. Mm. So you can literally color code your car internally 
depending on how you feel. So if you want it to be like lime green or sort of fuchsia or whatever, you've got a couple of buttons and it changes the lighting in the car, it changes the whole look and feel of the car inside. Listen, this is going to take a first day to a next level. I'm telling you, right? it is really, <laughs> it's really cool. And I mean, to think that Peugeot actually kind of left the country because it like wasn't looking like it was going very well. Right. And now they've come back with this kind of product. I think it's great. They've just rebranded as well with their logo. So that's another thing that's coming, coming uh, down the line. But... This 2008 is really cool. And now they've just launched the 3008, hmm. um, which is a little bit bigger. I think it's a little, the, the mommy version of, of this one. But like as a little runaround, this 2008 so far, very impressed. But I want to give you some more details on that once I've had a, a chance to really give it a bit hmm. of a, a, a run and uh, and g- give you some more features. I mean, the features sounds, are just like endless. <laughs> yeah, it sounds phenomenal. I, I actually think they should uh, hire me for marketing because I've got a great idea. So... So let me pitch don't give it, it away now. Should I not pitch it to you? No, don't pitch it to me because like someone's going to take it and they're going to make millions and then we're going to sit okay. here not going anywhere with like, it. They're going to sell it to every single single person out there. I've got a, I've got a great pitch. Okay. I'm just running it. Running you're going to tell wanna, me? Yeah, I, I really want to share it. Okay, share it. So uh, everybody will know it was my first idea. Even if Right, it's recorded. Feels. Okay, so we've got it yes, on, on got, record. I've got it on record. So, so, so I was thinking, you can, you know, in a, in a nice deep voice say, right, so Pijo... What's the number? Uh, 2008. 2008. For all you single people out there, if you want a mood setter, are you tired of spoiling a first date with the worst first impressions? We're there to assist you every step of the way. So you mean like... Mood lighting. The, the mood lighting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, know, you know, they need to do one more thing maybe. They might have to put in like a scenting unit. Yeah, oh, that's... Something that gives the car like a permanent scent of whatever. And then like... Or and you know what also? Like, like soundtracks. Like... Really like, like a playlist, like a pla- like a very sexy playlist, you know, like this is the like the ultimate singles car. Like if you're struggling to get a date, hundred percent, you pick her or him up in this car, mm, done. Set the lights, Basically. set the music, and 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 you and in the scent, they take you halfway. Let you're already me, halfway there. Uh, let me tell. You, I think there might be huge opportunity. What do you there. think? Huge. Are you with me? You're listening to the Santon Times podcast. All right, I'm ready. It's time for us to rope this all in. It's been uh, part two of episode 50 of the Santon Times podcast. Thank you so much for being part of this milestone. I can't believe we've done this twice in one week, but we had to split this up over two, two episodes because there was just so much for us to get through. So thanks for slogging it out twice and being part of it. Uh, if you want to catch up with Amoret, you can check her out on, uh, on Instagram, but she's also got her radio show, Radio South Africa. That's correct. Wednesday nights. That's it. Six to eight. That's it. Six to eight on Radio South Africa. Just Google it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can listen to Amrit. I know a lot of it's in Afrikaans though. Yes, I, well, Afrikaans and English. I try to make it 50-50. Yeah, because I've got listeners from all over the world. But yeah, have a listen. I'm really, I, I was really impressed listen. with that. Eh? I mean, like, it's amazing where South Africans are sitting all over the world. Australia, New Zealand, Dubai. China. China, listening. Chile listening in and then they send you messages or whatever it's really great to see that there's a South African community that's kind of like connecting back home and sort of staying in the Absolutely. loop absolutely and, and, and the same for you right you've got listeners from all over I don't know if they're all South African though I think right. I mean that guy in Martinique I'm not sure about I don't yes. know I don't know how he got to this podcast but uh, and then like sometime during today I was watching sort of the, the website analytics and there were some people in the Ukraine that were reading up on Santon. So I don't know if they're planning to come here at some point, but you know, that's the internet, eh? I mean, you can be anywhere okay. in the world and you can just check out Santon, eh? But I'll tell you something about your podcast. Alex. Yes. And I think that's why prob- probably people are listening more and more. Your podcast is, you know, it's Santon Times, which is phenomenal and, and we learn a lot about, about the area and stuff, but it also covers a lot of general things and it's, it's nice to listen to. So you're doing a great job, man. Thanks, man, Amrit. It's been good having you on. And uh, if you're listening right now and you want to get in touch with this podcast, you can email editor at santantimes.ca.za. You can connect with us on social media at santantimes. And don't forget to visit the website, santantimes.ca.za. You can subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And Flip, it's such an exciting time in podcasting at the moment because I see Spotify and Facebook are getting together. So you're going to be, be able to listen to, to podcasts now on Facebook, uh, Apple 
has now brought out a whole new premium subscription service, so that's going to change the game completely. So watch this space, man. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next year when it comes to podcasting. I think there's going to be huge growth. Thank you for listening to this podcast for the last 50 episodes, and uh, here's to the next 50. I hope you have a fantastic, uh, well, it's not really a long weekend, but it's a weekend with a little bit of a public holiday. You know, make the best of it. Enjoy a break if you have been uh, on a bit of a break, and uh, get home safe wherever you went to, and we'll catch up again next week same time same place thank you for listening